0: This is Lent. This is an opportunity for us to reflect on Jesus, why He came, what does that mean for us? It gives us opportunity to think about where we stand before God and our need for Jesus. And throughout this, this uh, take a look at Exodus chapter fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. It leads leads into this um, chapter seventeen, verses one to seven. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out, of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Heavenly Father, this is your word. People lived it. We get to observe it. We get to experience it. And I pray, Lord, whatever application you have for us, that you would just really make that clear. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever been on a road trip? Hey, what's the first words you say when you get ready to get out in the car, you get all the kids out there and you go, road trip, right? How long does that last? First page of the trip tick, any of you remember the trip tick, CEA. Anybody? I know, you use Google Maps now, I know. So, it, it usually doesn't last very long. Usually, what's some of the things that happen? What, what are some of the questions that are raised by the kids that are in the background? What do they say? Are we, are we there yet? That's a good one. What's some of the other ones? I gotta go to the bathroom. What are some of the other ones? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I'm bored. Do you think any of those, any of those by chance happened here? Do you realize that the children of Israel hadn't been on a road trip for hundreds of years? Not really. Last time they came, they had, came, they had, had, had come, it was Jacob and his family. They came with Joseph and they settled in the, in the territory of Goshen. And they had been shepherd people. They had taken care of sheep. It's been a long time since they had been on a road trip. They'd been slaves in Egypt. They had been delivered from the oppression of the Egyptians. They had seen the power of God move there. They had seen the Red Sea parted. They had seen the bitter waters of Mara made sweet for drinking. They had been filled with manna and quail from heaven when they were hungry. You realize it, they'd only been on this journey um, for about a month. They'd been on the journey for about a month. And all these things had happened. Can you imagine trying to move the numbers of people that live in the city of Ottawa, like a million people? And not only just the people. Think of the logistics of this. So you're not just packing like a little snack snack box for your kids. We we sent our our kids and grandkids. They had home. They were here for this last week, and. Um, there was like five grandkids and then there was the four adult kids and, and uh, so there was a lot going on but they, they, planned, their, they planned their attack to head home, they they packed water and they packed, you know, snacks and stuff. How would the people of Israel have been ready for this? They didn't even know exactly where they were going. They had left that up to God. They didn't have a tanker truck that was bringing water. For all the animals. Now, there would be spots where they would go, where there would be wells and those types of things, but it would have been, a, I think, a logistical nightmare. Think about Moses and Aaron, they're leading the people of Israel. Sometimes we look at this, we look at this picture and we just we kind of gloss over the reality of it. And here as they land at uh, Rephidim, there's no water, and the people are thirsty, and they began to say, where is God? They mumble and they grumble. I tell you, I heard more whining and crying and stuff this last week. Like, I had forgotten what it was like to be a parent. It's like, okay, all right, time to pack you guys up and head you home. Isn't it time? Oh, gosh, look at that. It's Saturday already. Parents were patient with them. Moses was patient with the people of God. God was patient with the people of God and then not so patient. And here they are they're without water and they go, "Where? Where's my parents? Where's God? What's going on here?" And God was there. But understand this. They could not see him because they were out of water. They could not see him because of the circumstances that they found themselves in. And how often, maybe even over the course of the last couple of years, we've gotten ourselves off of who God is and what Jesus has done, what God has done through Jesus, and we focused on the problem. We focused on the circumstance. We focused on the challenge more than we have on the Savior. this whole whole thing about Rephidim is more than a geography. This is a spiritual lesson that God wants to teach us. How far have we advanced spiritually? Children of Israel, as you'll find that story, it's been part of my devotions over the last couple of months as I've been reading through this story of the children of Israel and how they came to be and then how they left Egypt and so on. It's just continued story of God providing for them and then they trust him for a while and then they they start to whine and complain about all kinds of things it's too often I think we find ourselves still in Rephidim we find ourselves in that place where we're focused on the lack of water than on the provider we're still very thirsty we still doubt the presence of God We all have this tendency, we want something, and we can't seem to get it. I don't know some of the circumstances that you find yourselves in today, but I know that in my own life, I find myself in that place where I'm focused on, God, where are you? Where's the water? We need the water. Rephidim is where we are when we're destitute, and we need a spiritual drink from the river of God. Sometimes we find ourselves in that place. And if you look back over your history, your life, you can see those spots where you're spiritually dry. The other passage of Scripture that we could have looked at this morning was the woman, that came, the woman from Samaria that came to the well. And how she, how she thought um, she found this Jesus that was there and how he said, I can give you water that you know nothing about you know nothing about. I want to give you a spiritual water. I want to give you something that's deeper, that you'll never thirst again." And that's what God is trying to help the children of Israel to see and observe, more than just a geography of the lack of water. How come it is that they're here? Did they happen just to land in Rephidim? Who led them to Rephidim? Who who was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who was? Someone said it. God was. We don't often think about that. Each of these stops on the triptych, each of these stops on the Google map, each of these things God was doing to allow for there to be a depth to the children of Israel. He wanted them to understand, and he wanted them to know who he was and to trust him. To remember all the things that he had done to get them, to get the children of Israel there. I read that in a commentary. It it was not something that I had thought about before. Children of Israel didn't just decide to go to Rephidim. God was leading them through this process. In our passage, God indeed provides for the basic physical needs of his people as he promised that he would. He gives them water to drink so they wouldn't die of thirst. But most importantly, he teaches them a lesson. He is with them even when they don't feel it. And we know that this because of God's unchanging promises to be with his people to provide for their needs. By the time Israel comes to Rephidim, they have been led by the Lord for quite some time. They have seen his faithfulness to them. In Exodus 16, God actually provides manna and bread, uh, manna, which is bread from heaven for his people. Even though they had grumbled against him, they provided. You think about that for a second. Would, would you be as patient and as gracious? I find after a week with the grandkids, I'm not so gracious and patient. I wish that I was. I wish I had more depth of energy. I just wish I just had an unlimited amount of patience. There's just sometimes you want to go, listen, the bread's over there, go get it yourself. <laughs> Does your mama not teach you how to do that? I teach them early, so I don't, I'm not having to do that, not depending on me. <laughs> get over there. There's tarts over there. Get going. If you ever, tram, ever tramped around, if you're a hiker, if you ever tramped around in the, in, in, the, in the hot sun, you'll know how vital water is. Uh, we traveled, when we were, we were away, we had an opportunity to go to Portugal, we're thankful for that. We were in Lisbon, we trekked around one day, it was 20,000 steps. And I, I, I wore my feet right out, I don't even have feet anymore. You, you understand how quickly water, how important water is, that you have water on board, you're carrying it somewhere, because you're just, you're just so thirsty. And what we read here is that when they got to Remedem, there's no water. Do you know where the closest water is? Think about this for a second. you know where the closest water is for them? A day's journey back. They don't have that. Imagine a million people, size of Ottawa, looking for water. Livestock, all looking for water. The cows are, are lying down because they're thirsty. At, they're bellowing. There's, there's all kinds of noise and commotion. The babies are crying. This is bad. And they're grumbling against God. Why'd you bring us out to kill us? But God's going to provide for them. They—they they aren't going back. That's for sure. So how do the people respond? How would you respond? The people—they quarrel and they crumble. Uh, grumble. They crumble to against Moses. So really, this phrase here is the Israelites were bringing a lawsuit against Moses. If they could, they'd bring it to court. And in essence, they thought, Moses, you are failing at your task, taking care of us. If we could, we would sue you, and we would win. Welcome to America. After Moses unsuccessfully tries to pacify the Israelites, their, their complaint even gets more vicious. If this is why you brought us out to Egypt, is this why you brought us out to kill us with thirst, Verse 7 says that ultimately they were doubting that Lord could provide for them, that He was even in their midst. The Lord in their midst should protect them from any difficulties or at least remove them completely and quickly. There are two primary attitudes to, to a Christian life that we could take. One of them is to expect the, the, a life free of suffering. We could expect that. If you come to Christ, don't, you shouldn't expect any suffering. This attitude demands that we experience the glory now before we get to heaven. The other attitude is the one that Jesus Christ talks about. it. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a life of suffering now, but there's going to be glory in heaven. And some of us are experiencing that now. We're experiencing suffering. We're experiencing challenges. God's going to use that to help to glorify himself, but also that we'll see glory later. Moses says, why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? Exodus seventeen bi I don't think it would have been great to be Moses. How many of you wanted, would want his job? He already tried to give it up. He already tried to give it up. He said, but, but why, why don't we get my brother Aaron? That's what I would have done too. I would have tried to get my younger brother to be involved too. I think some of us, as we read through Exodus 17, we would wonder too, how much longer will God bear with his people? It's not so easy, perhaps, to answer that question about our own hearts. And when Moses saw that the people were about to stone him, he did the best thing that he could have done. He poured out his heart to God, verse 4. James chapter 5, verse 13 says, is anyone among you in trouble? He should pray. That's what we should do. That's what we should do. We should pray. That's what that's what it says in the New Testament. That's what James says. And that's what Moses does. Moses is suffering here. He's leading the people and he's not getting any he's not getting any support. They want to stone him. And then in Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says he who did not spare his own son but gave him over for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We all need to pray during our times of hardship. What's important is is that when God is moving in the situation, he tells Moses, says, I want you to get elders among you. It's not just you alone this time, but I want you to take the elders with you. And I want you to take your staff, same staff that you used to strike the Nile same staff that you used to draw the waters to come back and cause judgment upon the children of uh, uh, the Egyptians. I want you to use that same staff, but it's going to be different this time. I want you to, it's going to bring memories of God's mercy to his people. And since the people are, are guilty, the, the guilty ones in this story, we should be wondering, would God tell Moses to strike and to judge the people like he did in the Nile or in the, in the uh, Red Sea? In this, Moses is to walk past the people. He's to have a staff in his hand and judgment passes by them for his rebellious people. Moses is to strike the rock, which he does. And water comes out and it quenches the thirst of the people. And that is absolutely staggering. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that staff which God has used to judge the Egyptians now stands as as it strikes the rock becomes that way of redeeming his people. The penalty of judgment was inflicted on him, on God, not on his people. He bears their condemnation. No surprise that uh, Moses later calls the God, uh, calls God the rock of our salvation in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 15. The Lord will provide. Israel's and our fundamental need is far greater than food and drink. It's not so much about geography, which we said, Rephidim, but it's about our sin. It's about our inability to continue to follow after God after he's done all these things to provide for us and to make a way for us. What's interesting is is that as Moses strikes the rock and water pours out, gushes out, it would be a picture of something that's coming. That's Jesus who's coming. And what Jesus needed, or or what Israel needed, and what we need the most is what the rock pointed to, and that is the God who bears our punishment and makes atonement for us. Centuries later, the Apostle Paul reflects on Israel's time in the desert, and he tells us that the people... In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the same spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. It's interesting, God is painting this picture if we will be uh, open enough and our eyes would be open enough and our hearts receptive enough to know that God wants to do something more, he wants to do something greater. And in that sense, when Moses strikes the rock which God was standing, we have a picture of the incarnate God, the incarnate Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, being struck for our sins, for yours and for mine. And as we read through the Easter story, as we move through this Lenten season of seeing our Savior beaten and his blood poured out for us, We see this image of God who provides for his people time and time again. Their physical needs pointing to something that's far greater, and that is our spiritual need for which the woman at the well found God, found Jesus to be far more than she ever expected. On the cross, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. And the spear was put in his side, and the fluid came out, gushed out. At Horeb, the people did not die a thirsty death. But what's interesting is is that as we talked about last year, as you know from the scriptures, yet on the cross, Jesus did cry, I am thirsty. Dying a thirsty death to provide water of life for you and for me the Lord is among us God is surely among us God led the children of Israel out of Egypt all along the way never leaving them to their own device demise their own devices he moved them forward and provided for all of their needs and when you're going through a desert in this life remember these words from Romans chapter 8 verse 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things it begins with Jesus this story and it moves all the way through and we're gonna find at the end of the story that Jesus is still the central character God is for us I don't know the situations that you face God is still for us the Lord is for me says in Psalm 118 verse 6, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? If we'd only believe this. But we get so frightened about what's going on around us, the things and the circumstances around us, As we'll find out from the story when Jesus is good and dead, and they place him in a tomb. Everybody thinks that's the end of the story, but friends, that's not the end of the story. There's so much more to the story, and you have to see it right through to the end and beyond. But I want us to know this morning, and to confirm with us this morning, and I want for you very much to say amen in your heart, that God is for us in the midst of all the things that are happening around us. God is still for us. How do I know that? In Psalm 146, verse 6, he's the maker of heaven and earth. He is for us. Psalm 24, verse 8, the king of glory is for us. In Psalm 68, verses 19 to 20, the sovereign Lord is for us. Genesis 1, 1, the creator of the universe is for us. Psalm 95, verse 3, our great God is for us. Psalm 91 verse 1, the most high is for us. Psalm 16, 116 verse 5, our compassionate Lord is for us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, the prince of peace is for us. Psalm 147 verse 3, the healer is for us. Our unchanging father is for us, James chapter 1 verse 17. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, the promise keeper is for us. 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, the ultimate forgiver is for us. How many this morning need to know that God is for you? That God is for you? How many people need to know that this morning? Do you need to know that this morning? Any amens in the house today? When we remember who God is and what he's done, we'll be more likely to walk in that place of hope instead of people that constantly turn to the left and turn to the right when things didn't go their way. I want to remind us this morning that God has made a way. Even where there doesn't seem to be a way, God has made a way. And I just think this morning, just in conversations that I've had from time to time with individuals, even within this last week, that there are people that find themselves just not knowing where to go next, where to put their foot next. I think probably some some of you remember this Don Mullen song. How many of you remember the song, God Will Make a Way? Any of you? Will you sing it with me this morning?
1: God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to His side with love and strength. For each new day, He will make a way, He will make a way. God will make a way, where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see, He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to His side. With love and strength for each new day, He will make a way, He
0: will make a way. <clears throat> Even if you don't remember the song, the words are still true. And some of us just need to take, up, take time just to think upon those words just going to ask us to bow our heads. We're going to pray together. We're thankful, Father, this morning as your congregation to be able to pray. We're thankful for what you mean to us. Just know that over the course of the last week, the last couple weeks, you have been with some people through some pretty deep waters of people that have have needed to say goodbye to family and friends. I think of some of the losses of some of our, some of the um, family that are related to people from our church, to some of the dads, especially. I remember the Hitchcock family today, and I pray that you would especially be near them and encourage them in their time of grief that you would just watch over and keep them. Thankful, Father, for the opportunities to take in our life to remember funeral services, times of reflection, and remember their good lives. And Father, this morning, I just pray that you would continue to work in the Hitchcock's lives, in the Priddle's lives, Alan Jones and his family, For Scott and Lydia and their families we just lift these people up before you today and as the church we just want to support them and encourage them in all that you're doing pray for people around the world the things that that many things that we know and there's many things that we don't know even though we have access to the internet there's just so many and other news channels there's so many things that we miss and things that are going on below the surface that we're not made aware of, but Lord, you know. And so we just lift up some of the situations that are around the world, some of the things that we tend to forget, the war-torn areas today, places that have been affected by, by um, earthquakes, places that have been affected by flooding, just here just recently of, in Malawi, and uh, friends of ours, how they've been impacted by that and other places around the world, Lord, I just pray that you'd be in those situations as we lift them up before you. People that are joining us online, I just pray, Father, that wherever they are, that they're witnessing and a part of this, this, um, this worship service today, whenever they're listening to it, Lord, I just pray that wherever they find themselves, that they would take that next step of being drawn closer to you. So just lead them through that time. Lead them to that place where they'll never thirst again, as they trust in you. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As we we sing this song, it very well may be that there was something about the message this morning that spoke to you. you, for you today, a way of kind of sealing or a way of just really getting in touch with what we talked about, you may just find yourself needing just to come to the altar and just just praying it through with God, that God would be that person that would help get you through, that you would find your way through. So as we stand, I'm just ask you as we sing this song that if for you it would be meaningful just to come and to pray. I'm going to invite you to do that, and then I'll have a closing prayer for us. just as we close i i see that god is working i see it in your in your worship this is more than just a perfunctory act unless god shows up and provides the water people are going to die and god shows up and provides the water and god shows up and provides a sacrifice in his son jesus As you go this morning, my prayer is is that God would go before you and that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's big enough for whatever circumstance you're facing. Some of us are are battling depression and some of us are battling loneliness and some of us are battling in our relationships and unless God shows up, some of our marriages are on the rocks. Some of us, unless God shows up, the addiction is going to take us down. But I just want you to know God is more than enough, and God will show you a way. So may God bless you and keep you. May He provide for all of your needs today, even the needs that you don't even know that you have. May He watch over you and keep you now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen.